Yo, it's Gary here, and I am back with another episode of Hop Talk, the Hopped podcast where we sit down and talk craft beer with some of our favorite people in the beer industry. In this episode, I am joined by Chase Dipple, beer program manager at Hilo Liquor Market. Hilo is a neighborhood market and liquor store focused on supplying you with specialty craft beers, wines, spirits, alongside fresh market staples and snacks in a very cool, modern, upscale shopping environment. They've got stores in Culver City and Long Beach with a new one in Costa Mesa opening any day now. And Chase is the dude who makes sure the beer selection at each store is bringing its A-game. Today, we chat about his journey from beer blogger to beer buyer and all the steps along the way. We talk about his approach to curating Hilo's weekly flight night, training staff on the latest and greatest in craft beer, prioritizing freshness as a retailer, which is no easy task, designing the perfect beer trip, and diving into Hilo's brand new store coming soon at the camp in Costa Mesa. With every other liquor store on the block, touting their craft beer selection, it's more important than ever to shop local with retailers who know the product, support the producers, and care about the experience. It's rad to hear Chase's story and how he's doing just that at Hilo. Let's get into it. This is, I like that this is as authentic as these things get, because you and I have never sat down and had a conversation before. So this yeah. is like starting from like scratch, which I love. Yeah. Um, so I'm super curious about your background and kind of your outlook on beer. Um, when I heard that Hilo was bringing you in um, and I've kind of seen the flight selections and the pairings and starting to see like a little bit of like your hand in the beer program here since you've come on. And I'm just like really fascinated about where your story starts. So um, I guess maybe like, give me a little bit of that background. Like when did you first get into beer? Where are you from? That kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm born and raised here in uh, Southern California. Um, I moved down to uh, Dana Point, Orange County, and I started working at a, I was managing a dog hotel in San Clemente. And in the business park of the uh, dog hotel was uh, Left Coast, uh, OG's Pizza and Brewing. Mm -hmm. So um, I uh, got to hang out with those brewers um, after they finished up their brewing shifts and such, and they were having beers in the parking lot area and cruise over and say, Hey, and they would just, you know, give me beer and just, you know, that was really my first like aha moment. I was like, man, this is awesome. I was a Porter, you know, or a stout mm-hmm. that I had at that point, I think it was the black magic stout. And I was just like, wow, this is so awesome. And so I was actually like a really big, like malt, malt forward beer guy at first. I loved like porters and Imperial stouts and stuff like that. And, uh, when was this? Uh, this was probably, gosh, like, uh, 2009 or 10 or Mm so. Um, so yeah, I, you know, met those guys, started having those beers and I, uh, 
was interested in like doing some kind of like a writing project at that point. And I saw these beer blogs starting to pop up and I was like, this is perfect. Like I definitely want to do this and this will be just like a fun creative output. And I started my own beer blog and was just writing about, you know, different beer events and beer festivals and stuff like that. And then that grew into breweries reaching out to me for like beer reviews or, um, you know, brewer interviews as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meeting brewers uh, and stuff like that was so much fun. And I was really like starting to become more steeped in the industry at this point and having uh, friends that were sales rep with breweries and that kind of stuff. And I definitely saw myself uh, in the industry. So I wanted to get a job in the beer industry. And uh, at that point, I applied for a few breweries, um, you know, and I was trying to volunteer wherever I could as well. Um but with little to no actually like brewing experience or, um, you know, those kind of technical experience, I uh, wound up fell a little short. So I visited Virginia uh, on and off for a couple years. And I literally just saw the beer scene at that point just blossoming. Yeah. Uh, this was probably, you know, right when Stone announced that they picked Richmond, Virginia as their East Coast headquarters, right when uh, Green Flash announced. Uh, their um, expansion into Virginia Beach. Right. And then, you know, shortly after when Deschutes, like, even announced Virginia. So I just saw, like, this, you know, small-ish state that was just doing, like, really big things in beer. Uh, and I was trying to get into the industry out here in California, as I mentioned, and, you know, fell through. So that's when I really saw the opportunity to go to Virginia and, you know, make it in there. Wow, uh, Make awesome. it in the industry. Yeah, so I... um I was kind of becoming tired of the rat race of California living, and I wanted to right. kind of like sit back for a little bit and, uh, you know, put my feet up. Uh, so <laughs> I, yeah, moved out to uh, Richmond, Virginia, and lived out there for almost four years. But when I moved out there, I applied for all the breweries out there too, mm -hmm. and uh, wasn't hired. So I worked for a startup. Um, it was a bottle shop uh, growler bar oh, cool. in Richmond, which um, if you're from California, like you're not used to that kind of a situation because no. you would go to a brewery and you'd have to have that brewery's growler right. to get filled with their beer. And this concept was 55 taps of, you know, Virginia East Coast um, beers that you could get a growler fill of and take home. And we also had like a bottle and can shop there too. Nice. And I eventually took that over and that was my for my first foray into uh, you know, beer buying and managing like a beer program and doing that. And I really enjoyed it. I cleaned all of the beer lines myself. I, you know, was starting to learn more and become uh interested in becoming a certified Cicerone. Mm-hmm. So I was just really just studying about beer and like really like learning like background histories of beers, um, you know, style categorizations and things like that. And again, you know, just it just snowballed and just kept going that, uh, you know, I eventually did take the certified Cicerone exam. The first time I took it, I passed the off flavor tasting, the uh um, video demonstration that you have to do, and I just barely didn't pass the written. Mm. Uh, so I retook it again and retook the written and just barely didn't pass a second time. 
And, you know, I was a little discouraged at that point. So I was like, you know, I'll hang this up for a little bit and maybe get back to it. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, did that and, you know, I worked for Stone Brewing when they opened up their Richmond, Virginia location. And I was, uh, somewhat of like an assistant taproom manager there, Mm -hmm. uh, supervisor and you know met some great brewers there um at stone and became really close with uh peter weens who uh was the brewmaster for stone after mitch Steele left and he went on he's now the brewmaster for guinness usa in baltimore yeah um but really solid guy uh um really smart but you know meeting those people and those brewers was just so much fun yeah for me and uh, so my time with Stone like came to a close, and that's when a buddy of mine reached out to me and asked if I wanted to help him out with uh, his distribution company that he was running. So I was uh, said, yeah, let's do it. So I jumped on board and was a Richmond sales representative, and I was selling beers from Jay Wakefield, Civil Society, Aslin. Um, Graft Cider out of New York, uh, all sorts of really cool um, indie brands that were, you know, just starting to, you know, reach like hype levels or, you know, doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, did that and traveled up and down the East Coast uh, to various beer festivals. I went to my first Wake Fest uh, in Miami, Florida. Um, I went up to New York on a trip uh, up to Vermont and picked up some Vermont picked up from some breweries up there and brought them back to Virginia to sell. And oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Went to Jackie O's in Columbus, Ohio on a trip and picked up kegs and bottles and brought them back. And yeah, it was just so much fun to actually, you know, see that side of the industry too. You know, there's working in a tasting room, then, you know, there's distribution, um, you yeah, know, or sales. I was going to say, you have like this, uh, you've seen kind of the tap room side of things like the retail side of things then the producer retail side working at that ta- at this at stone's tap room mm-hmm. and then going distribution and kind of seeing what that tier looks like and so getting to see kind of what the product looks like how consumers interact with that product at each level of that system um that's really neat. And I'm sure like the relationships that you build along that journey, um, it was like one of the questions that I, I was going to have for you later and we'll dig into it then, but it is just like, now you're here and I know this business, it, a lot of it is built on relationships. And mm-hmm. so drawing on all that experience. And so one of the things is, as you were talking, uh, I was wondering is you go from the, the, the managing the dog hotel. Yeah into like hey i'm interested in beer and then deciding that you're going to move into that so was the what obviously we have a, a pet lover a dog lover here oh huge for sure right so yeah. dogs and beer it's a great combo yep um and were you was that kind of the path for you were you like this is the where i want to build my career or did it just so happen that you like found yourself there it was um I literally, I was like, you know, I loved working with dogs and animals so much that, you know, I was volunteering at shelters and doing stuff like that. And I was thinking that I was actually going to, you know, become like an animal control officer Mm. or like, you know, I wanted to be an animal cop at some point and, you know, just, you know, grind those people, you know, that, you know, mistreat animals and do things like that. Yeah. But, uh, 
no, when uh, beer kind of came into my life, that's when I kind of shifted that route. And I was like, I want to do this as a career. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's, yeah. You know, there's, there's a couple ways people like find their journey in and it's either like, Hey, I have this vision early on and I'm going to go right into beer or I've gone this other direction and then somehow find myself moving over. And it's always like interesting, no matter which way you have it. And it's all just context for, you know, what you build on, on the beer side. So, um, you know, you mentioned the beer blog, which obviously pulls at my heartstrings because that is my roots as well. Um, (laughs) what, give me uh what is your thoughts looking back on on that journey I'm, i don't think that you write anymore right uh i mean i write for all right high low yeah. exclusively um so yeah i mean that journey was when i moved to uh richmond virginia i held on to it for a little while and i was still writing about some events and some beers and such but you know life was just kind of becoming more hectic at that point yeah. and i was ready I was like, oh, maybe I'll come back to this at some point. But, you know, it was time to kind of hang it up for a little bit. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's, you know, I it's something that I enjoy writing about beer. I love talking about beer and sharing beer and opinions and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it could always come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I I appreciate the writing you do for Hilo's marketing and things like that because it's I, for one, know how difficult it can be to come up with some of the language you need to describe some of these beers and not sound like you're saying the same things over and over or that you're just being too, like, esoteric or something like that. So you have to, like, root it in what people can can easily uh, grasp, but mm-hmm. also make it interesting and tell a story, right? Definitely. That's, uh, that's you nailed it. Like how I want to, you know, describe beer to people or how, you know, I want to have a conversation about beer with people is that I don't want to go over people's head. Um, I found, you know, when I've been in a brewery and tasting room and talking to a brewer or a tasting room staff, you know, when they're able to bring something full circle like talking about a brewing technique and actually tasting that in the beer or ingredients that they use and tasting that in the beer, you know, that kind of uh, circumvents and it just really creates an aha moment in people's brains that is like, oh my gosh, it makes it so much more memorable. It makes the experience more, uh, you know, symmetry, you know, uh, wise. And it's really great. That's what I personally love, uh, you know, trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. And, this is this moment right now is the longest I've gone on a beer podcast without taking a sip of beer. So as we're talking right now, you're cracking open uh, what looks like a very special bottle. Uh, what do we what do we got here? Yeah. So speaking of uh, Richmond, this this is a bottle of Hardywood Park Craft Brewery. This is a bottle of Ruse. Uh, from 2017, it's an imperial milk style aged in red wine barrels. Ooh. 11.3%. Uh, I've had some of their other um, beers in this series. They do a beer called Trickery. That is a imperial milk style aged in uh, bourbon barrels. That is phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, let's... Uh... Cheers. Cheers. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've never had a milk stout. I've, so I've never had a milk stout 
aged in barrels. And I haven't really, you don't really hear that all too often. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, usually you're, when you're putting something into barrels, you're looking for something like more robust as like a, uh, you know, base beer, I guess, to enter it. But I was really intrigued by milk stout red wine barrels. Yeah. Like that's, uh, you know. It's a strange combo. Very strange combo. And the aroma is really great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really neat. So I feel like what when people think imperial stout, oak aged or barrel aged, um, you think about spirit barrels, you think about booziness, you yeah. think about um uh, like alcoholic heat aggression. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. totally. And this is uh I think a really fun, interesting departure from that. And you in that you get a lot of that really cool barrel complexity and barrel character. Um but the red wine, it complements the stout in a way, almost like chocolate covered cherry raspberry type of thing. I was like, going to say, I get some cool. kind of like a, a cherry ish kind of a flavor in this that pokes through really yeah, nicely. This is really nice. And yeah, I mean, for 11.3%, like you, you, there is a little heat to it, but it's not, I mean, we're talking in the afternoon on a day that's like, you know, in the mid eighties and, yeah. you know, it's a warmer day and this is, this is really nice. This is mm-hmm. a really nice beer. I oh, appreciate you, you sharing it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Tyler, Ricky, Tyler, Ricky Thomas, who does the art too, does a lot of really cool, like funky, uh, artwork that I really enjoy too. That's rad. Yeah. yeah super cool. Good stuff. Yeah, um, man. so where you left off, you're in Virginia. I'm just curious. So I've never been to Virginia. You know, I, I know I, I have an understanding somewhat of what the beer scene's like. Obviously, the growler fill laws are different from here. There's probably some other kind of legal infrastructure things that might be a little bit different. But um, give me a sense, like, how what's it like out there? How's it different from Southern California? Yeah. Um. So in Virginia, you, you know, have like Virginia Beach and you have like Central Virginia, which is like Richmond and some of like the outer lying cities around there. And then you have, you know, um, um, once you cross over to like Charlottesville and, um, you know, once you get towards like Western Virginia and the Blue Ridge Mountains out there, uh, it's a really interesting beer scene from each locale. Um, but overall, I was really surprised when I found out that I think there were over 500 breweries in the state of Virginia when I was out there. And wow. then they were tra- trajecting to be upwards of 700. And I don't know what the number is right now at that point. But there is definitely a lot of uh, small breweries in the state. That's all. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, for being so spread out, too, it's not like, you know, you have 300 breweries, 300 plus breweries in San Diego. Um so yeah, Virginia was a very interesting scene. Uh you know, from Richmond, you know, there were some uh beer bars like I'm sure most people have heard of Mekong. Um that's like an institution. Um I know that that's been like rated uh world's best beer bar by Beer Advocate and you know some other uh beer magazines that uh you know, great beer scene that uh you know, they tend to do some goofy things like Virginia gets on the beer map every now and then for doing some really weird concocted beers. I know that uh, Smart Mouth did a Lucky Charms beer, uh, I think, a couple years ago. Um, Adroit Theory did a Ferrero Rocher 
inspired beer that when I saw it, I was like, that looks that looks gross. That looks like Slim Fast in a in a glass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was like, hey, somebody somebody will probably drink it and write about it, or you know, talk about it on the internet or something. But right. uh, yeah, it was uh, very interesting to see. Um, you know, a lot of imperial stouts out there, cool sours, um, really great IPAs. Uh, when I first moved out there, there weren't really many West Coast IPA brewers, or there were mm-hmm. breweries that were trying to do West Coast, but not really, uh, you know, nailing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, a year or so in while I was out there, uh, breweries like Triple Crossing um, were just absolutely smashing West Coast IPAs. Really? And uh, Hardywood was doing some really cool ones as well. Uh, the Vale uh, opened up in Richmond too. And, you know, they've been doing, they're mostly known for their hazies and some of their sours and their barrel aged beers, but they were mm-hmm. also doing some pretty cool West Coast too. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I need to make my way out there. Um, you're like, you're throwing these names out there and I'm like, I don't know any, I don't know the top rated beer bar. I hadn't heard of it. So yeah. now I'm like mentally starting to build my list of when I make that, that trip out there. So that's uh that's good information for me to have. Definitely. Yeah. I would definitely recommend a trip out there. It's a really one, a beautiful state. Uh, and two, the beer scene is just awesome. Really friendly people, good beers. Yeah. That's cool. This episode is brought to you by Malibu Brewing Company, a brand new brewery and eatery coming to Malibu this summer. Their beers are already out there and they are delicious. From their First Point IPA and their Wild Grove Hazy to their Canyon Rose Lager and their Pacific Gold American Lager, all their beers are just super dialed in, incredibly drinkable, approachable AF, and just damn delicious. And from everything we've heard about their food menu, it's going to be just as amazing. Malibu Pub is coming along awesome, and I cannot wait for you guys to check it out. It's been a while since we've been this excited about a brand new brewery, and it's just super refreshing to drink well-made, beer-flavored beer with the good people at Malibu Brewing Company. For more info and to order beers, hit up brewmalibu.com. So you're working for the distributor in yeah. Virginia, but going all over the place. Mm-hmm. Eventually you made your way back out to California. Yep. So what was that journey like? Yeah. So I, um, unfortunately the distributor that I was working for, uh, shuttered. So I was at the point when, you know, I was kind of aimless and I didn't really know what to do. And being from California, uh, and being so far away from my family, it was, uh, pulling at my heartstrings to come back home. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, I was missing too many of my nieces and nephews, like birthdays and like other events that, uh, it was time to come back home. So, uh, moved back to California and, um, worked for Ween's Brewing Company mm-hmm. in Temecula. Um, I mentioned Peter Ween's earlier, um, Peter and Ben were the brewers that founded the brewing half of Weens, mm-hmm. and um, Peter went on to work for Stone, and that's where he rose the ranks there. But Ben um, kept brewing at Weens and brewing some really, really great West Coast. Um, 
and some other like really cool beers there. It was really funny that he did a beer called Beer Pressured uh, because Ben was a very traditional beer guy. Mm. He was very into clear beers, uh, you know, that route and wasn't, you know, into like the milkshakes and the seltzers and all that kind of stuff. Just a very traditional brewer that yeah. uh, I would always tease him saying, you know, you got to give the kids what they want. You know, you're beer pressured into this hazy IPA. Right. And, you know, you're going to eventually make a seltzer or, you know, but he never made a seltzer, which was, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I worked for uh, Weens, uh, and then that was just before the pandemic. And then okay. when the pandemic happened, that's, uh, that's You're when I in the tap that. room there? Uh, I was managing the tap room. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've stopped by Weens before um, when I've been in Temecula. Um, yeah, good spot. Yeah, yeah. really good spot. Like like you said, like traditional classic styles. Um, so working. R.I.P. Weens. They're not around. They're not around anymore. Yeah, they oh, shuttered. Okay. I think twenty twenty one. Unfortunately, it. I think the pandemic got a hold of them. Yeah, the yeah. beer the beer side, and they were their winery too, right? Their winery is still open. Okay, that's the main part of the business. I think right? that was the main. Uh, there, I mean, you're in wine country, yeah, Temecula, right there. That yeah. uh, they definitely were doing good business. Yeah. So that kind of brought you back to the producer tap room side of things. And is, is Hilo your next stop after that? Yeah. When, uh, I was, uh, you know, dating my girlfriend out here, uh, and you know, we're, was buying beer, you know, regularly, you know, just, you know, I'm always still drinking beer. So yeah. I, uh, um, Found out about Hilo and was seeing the beers that they were bringing in, uh, and I was like, "Wow, they're bringing in some heavy, cool stuff." Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it personally stuck out to me, like beers, like breweries, like Aslan and Civil Society. Um, seeing like a cycle bottle out here too, and uh, some other really cool beers, and that was was like, "This is a really cool spot," and I love it, uh, and. You know, a little did I know, or did I think at that time that I would, you know, wind up working and running the beer program here. But I am just over the moon uh, about being in this role and having so much fun and meeting so many people and uh, building relationships, establishing new relationships. Uh, you know, it's always, I think. Sam Calgione said, uh, the beer industry is 99% asshole free. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, it's mostly true, you yeah. know? Yeah. There's definitely, you know, there's so many great people in the scene. So, yeah, totally. uh, especially out here in LA, I've been, um, meeting more and more people since I've been back and yeah, again, you know, great people out here too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, um, you threw out, uh, a few breweries that you kind of, that kind of caught your eye that were coming out of high low. Um, now you're in the role. How would you describe the beer program at high low? Like, how's it different than what people might be more accustomed to, like in their local neighborhood? Yeah. Um, so I try to, you know, pull beers and breweries, you know, from local to, you know, you know, the United States to, you know, um, beyond. Um, but what I'm, you know, when I'm bringing beers in, uh, I really want to make sure that, you know, that the breweries are treating their employees fairly, you know, that the beers are good first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, and that there's a, there's a draw too. I mean, uh, you know, when people come into a store, you know, there's so much choices and there's so much to take in that, you know, we really just curate to, you know, local, like good breweries that are making good liquid and, you know, just expanding on what they offer. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there are new breweries popping up. There are, you know, established breweries that are, you know, coming into, uh, the area, um, or selling their beers to the area. And it's been really cool to see, um, you know, what beers I'm able to get. I was really stoked to bring the veil in. Um, recently we just got some other half beers in, uh, you know, there's all these like cool niche breweries that are um, starting to distribute to the area that I'm really excited about. And then I also have plans to bring some breweries in that I worked with, uh, on the East coast, uh, breweries like dancing gnome, um, Charlestown fermentory, uh, unseen creatures out of, uh, Florida. Um, all those kinds of, uh, breweries I would love to, you know, work on bringing in. So, you know, in a nutshell, we try to, you know, bring in the really cool, the really rare, um, and they're really excitable beers for beer fans. Mm-hmm. And then we also, you know, appease the people that come in that are just looking for a good West Coast IPA or a good local lager mm-hmm. or, um, you know, what's a really good, you know, just middle of the road stout, you know, that right. kind of a thing. So um, it's those kinds of things, too, and that I try to keep in mind, too, when I'm building the program. But I'm really excited to see that a lot of customers are coming in and asking for, you know, West Coast IPAs, or they're asking for dark lockers, or they're, you know, looking for a fooder aged sour. Mm -hmm. Um, So things like that are really, really cool to hear as a beer buyer, because it's not just people coming in and just chasing whales, you know, or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, people that are looking for beer, beer. Yeah, totally. And I think that there's certain stores that can cater to like people that are chasing whales. There's obviously different margins on those types of businesses and Mm. different experiences in those types of businesses, like, you know, different types of connections you can build with customers in that way. Um, You know, I don't know you very well at all, but like, I kind of feel like I get a sense for your like beer sensibility. Um, I kind of like get this feeling that you like have this like very traditional outlook on beer but that you don't like shy away or shun the trendy Mm -hmm. you know and yeah and they just kind of like the newsletter the the flights that you're curating the new stuff you're bringing in um just kind of gives me that sense that like there's a balance here and um there's no like right or really wrong way to do things it's just like having an outlook having a point of view and like being clear about that and being consistent with it and be, and having it be authentic to you and the program and the store as a whole. Um, so that part's really cool to see. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I love, uh, I love when that happens and that's like, it's not an easy thing to do. Like yeah. I, I appreciate the balance that that requires. Cause it's a delicate balance. It definitely is. And yeah, I, I appreciate, you know, when people notice, uh, 
because yeah, there are a lot of trends in beer and there are, you know, seemingly more trends. There are return to trends, you know, talking about yeah. cold IPAs, uh, you know, when five to eight years ago or what have you, there were uh, IPLs, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, there's milkshake IPAs. Yeah, you mentioned, you, you mentioned milkshake earlier and I was like, I know that they're not dead, but I haven't heard someone say milkshake IPA in a little little while. Yeah. I feel like the, the label, people are shying away from the label. Now they're just, I don't know, hazy IPAs that they don't talk about the f- fruit and the lactose anymore. Yeah. I don't I, know. Yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, I was in uh, the Long Beach store the other day, and a guy was asking for um, a milkshake IPA, and I... Uh, you know, just kind of was like, oh, so you like lactose in your IPAs. <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I do. And, um, you know, he had his own reasons. And I'm like, cool. You know, I unfortunately don't have any uh, milkshake IPAs at the moment. But, you know, I'm always trying to bring in. I actually had a hoof-hearted uh, sour IPA in uh, very recently that sold really well. And people mm-hmm. were really digging that. So, you know, it's crazy to, you know, see these new trends and again, return to trends. And then, you know, it's just kind of waiting to see what's next, uh, you know, too. So, uh, very interesting to see. I'm surprised at, uh, you know, how much non-alcohol, non-alcoholic beer I'm buying too, that really, you know, the non-alcoholic, uh, beer sector has been blowing up. Yeah. Um, and that a lot of breweries are starting to turn their core beers into non-alcoholic, which is, uh, an interesting move, but it's been working out for those breweries that have been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about the NA sector and like the technology that's required to produce those. Um, obviously there's some significant differences in the process. Otherwise I think we'd see more small craft doing it. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is interesting to see the trend of the larger craft breweries moving in that direction. I know that there's a, Athletic is obviously the big dog in the in that space, and for sure. I know there's a local one in Orange County, Bravis. Bravis, yeah. Bravis yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't tried anything from them. Um, I haven't heard anything from them, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see like what's happening at the local level when it comes to NA. For sure. Um, so at Hilo, it's not just a beer store. Like, there's a lot of different types of beverages. Mm-hmm. There's some grocery component to it as well. So how does how do you think through that from like the lens of the beer program like how do you complement the other types of beverages mixers I, there's just so much cool stuff that you guys have so how do you think about that Yeah um so I love talking with uh Mike our uh, wine and spirits buyer about um about beers and even brewing techniques and it's crazy to see you know, even the brewery wine, like crossover with, you know, techniques and things like that, that, um, you know, I just bring beers in that I think are good and that would, you know, overall be a good uh, addition to the store, but I could definitely see anything that we have on the shelves, you know, also complement, um, you know, any whiskeys that we have Mm -hmm. or gin or, you know, mezcal, um, or even like our market goods, like, uh, ice cream, you know, who doesn't love a, a beer float, yeah. uh, you know, and, you know, or some like chips and snacks and stuff like that too. And even cheeses, you know, to pair with your beers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working with our market buyer to, you know, come up with some cool, um, pairings, um, that we offer in, in house. So. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I, I feel like, um, the shelves can be a canvas in a way. Right. And so 
when you are looking at just beer, you have this like one dimensional thing. But if you have the shelves stocked with these different categories and people coming in for maybe one particular reason and helping kind of tell the story and get, you know, stoke some interest uh, and fascination with some of the other categories in the store. I feel like that's like where things come full circle, right? Like that's where someone comes in like, Oh, I like shopping at high low. And then they get this like really interesting 360 experience with recommendations and pairings and stuff like that. And they end up becoming just like super fans, you mm-hmm. know, and they just come back all the time for that. Um, so I love that about Hilo. That's like a, a very fun component. Yeah, I love, um, you know, all of our employees uh, are, you know, so fun and, you know, have like really, you know, knowledge as well. And, you know, with they, you know, aren't quite sure that recommendation, you know, usually Mike or I are in the store or we're always able to, you know, kind of help, uh, you know, make that right choice for, you know, the customer help uh, arm our staff with, you know, the knowledge as well. Yeah. So, yeah. What does that process look like in terms of education internally? Yeah. Um, what are you thinking about there? What are you currently doing? Like, or what's like more that you want to do? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely love, uh, you know, training our staff whenever I have the chance. So I'll usually do, um, I'll pick like a beer style or I'll pick, um, you know, something that's, new in or like a new style like i just uh you know went over ipas with the team and i was talking about you know single ipas the double ipas the triple ipas um what does ddh mean or double dry hopped Mm -hmm. um you know um talking to a customer and seeing you know if they're looking for a hazy or a west coast ipa um you know where does cold IPAs fit into this if somebody comes in and asks? So, you know, there's different things like that that I like to, you know, arm my staff with uh, vocab-wise to, you know, mm-hmm. be able to um, help the customer out and, uh, you know, make that recommendation still and, yeah. and all. So. It's no easy task. Yeah, right? it's, it's definitely not a, it's not a cookie-cutter plan, yeah. you know. it's There's, you know, room to go outside of the box, but... Yeah, yeah. totally. And the other component that uh, I feel is um a very special piece of of hilo um that we haven't touched on is the the counter Mm -hmm. so talk me through what that is and kind of how it plays into the beer program as a whole yeah definitely so um in our culver city location we have five beer lines and in long beach we have eight um so with the beers on tap, they can range. Uh, I usually try to run the gamut of styles. Um, you know, f- something from a sour ale to an imperial stout is usually the spectrum of what could be on tap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's some really cool kegs that I'm able to get that aren't in package um, that I'm able to, you know, tap for the stores. And... I'm in, I do all of the beer line cleaning myself, uh, so I know that all of the beers that we're pouring are clean, uh, free from any you know off flavors or defects like that that can happen with beer systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love doing that, and you know keeping the the systems clean, and you know just I love uh, you know getting a cool keg of something, yeah. <laughs> you know like uh, um, I mean th- this is these are your roots, right? Yeah. Like you're a tap room guy, yeah. you know? So yeah. I feel like, 
you know, that's a great outlet for you to always come back to, you know, serving a customer over the over the counter and yeah. trying something in real time and helping walk someone through a beer that they might not know about or a beer that they've only heard about. Um, Cause that's a lot of what I see. Like there's like the balance of classic styles um, and tradition. And then there's some beers that like, yeah, like you mentioned the veil uh, a couple weeks back. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this is a little hidden gem right here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's always really cool to bring in, you know, interesting unique beers um yeah and if i can have a beer on draft and also in cans that's great but yeah. sometimes that doesn't always work um but yeah like we have side project on in long beach right now and i was like wow side project like <laughs> this is amazing you yeah. know so uh you know we have like great notion kegs um you know i'm working on like building up uh, our kegs right now i have a 2017 bourbon barrel aged Fremont dark star mm. on tap in Culver. And I have a 2020, uh, bottle logic dark star, nice. uh, um, that, yeah. So it's always really cool to, you know, you know, curate a really bitchin, uh, keg program as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously it's like more tasting counter than like full on bar, right? Like, it's yes. From what I understand. Yeah. So we serve uh, beer and wine by the glass. Uh, we're working on some low um, alcohol cocktails um, to do some things in the future soon uh, that we'll be offering at both locations. Uh, we're getting ready to launch Costa Mesa soon, and we will eventually put in a counter there um, down the line. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's uh, been really cool to see customers come back in. We just reopened the Culver counter, uh, St. Patrick's day. Um, and it's been great to see the community come back in and be like, Oh my gosh, I could have a beer in here again, or I could have a flight of wines. Um, you know, our beer flights and that kind of stuff has yeah. been really, uh, it's been really nice to see people's, you know, happy faces again about that kind of stuff. For sure. I mean, um, I feel like it's a unique opportunity to build a connection. Yeah, right? like that's essentially what you're able to do when you have two minutes in or five minutes in a retail transaction, you're getting more like 30 minutes, 60 minutes to talk through over something and, and show them something different and see the reaction in real time rather than, hey, you'll like this. Come back and maybe you'll come back and let me know whether yeah. you liked it or not. Um, So how does that like instant feedback component kind of like. How do you use that to, I don't know, make your program better or like throw that insight back in and use it to buy beer? Yeah. Um, so we, right now I have uh, uh, Saison DuPont on tap mm -hmm. in Culver City. And I recently had a customer that, you know, wasn't too into, they were kind of complaining about Belgian beers out loud and they were kind of, mm -hmm. you know, naysaying it. And I was like, Hey, have you had this beer? Uh, you know, this is like the godfather of Saison's, you know, this beer is rep replicated and, you know, repeated to no end. Um, it's, it's a perfect beer, honestly. And they were like, Oh, intrigued, you know? And I was like, you know, let's, let's get you a little splash of this and see what you think. And mm -hmm. so they're like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. So I love, you know, Again, you know, getting that light bulb to go off in somebody's head where they're like, oh, you know, this is only what I thought about this beer style. Like, 
you know, and now I'm experiencing something outside of it. Like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So she, lo and behold, like ordered a full glass of it and enjoyed it. So, um, and working in tasting rooms in the past, I've, you know, had people come in and have, you know, not known anything about the brewery, not know anything about the beers. And, you know, you have to, you know, talk to them about what they're, going to be tasting, you know, when I worked at Stone and somebody comes in and they are not a hophead, you know, they might be a little like out of options, you right. know, at uh, at one point in time. Now yeah. they now they've expanded, but um yeah, it's uh always cool to just, you know, make that aha moment, have that light bulb go off, um have somebody enjoy something that they didn't think they would enjoy. Yeah. You know, you're talking about Saison Dupont um, it kind of got me thinking beer experienced in the package, especially one that's overseas that spends some time in transit um, compared to beer on draft. You know, there's, I feel like you're always going to see some types of differences, especially in those scenarios. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you ever experience something where you're like, I really love this on draft, but I don't really like the package version or vice versa. Does that happen to you? Um, Not too often anymore. I feel like years and years ago, there were times when I was having, um, I actually, I could have think of a good example. I remember when ballast point launched grapefruit sculpin. Oh yeah. And the beginning of the end, that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you could, uh, I remember having that beer in cans, in bottles, and on draft, and it tasting different every single time. Yeah. Uh, so there was a big consistency issue there. Uh, and, you know, I remember when Sculpin was an amazing beer, and I would always get it whenever I saw it, um, just like if I see Two Hearted now. But, yeah, you know, that beer, that beer just changed. Um, I'm curious to actually see what Kings and Convicts has done with it. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, it's those kinds of experiences where I haven't had an experience like that one with Ballast Point in quite a while, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh um, you know, most of the time I I prefer draft beer just because it's easier, it's cold and it's ready, you know, you don't have to worry about chilling any cans or bottles or anything. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's you know, I also am not picky and will drink a can or a bottle, but yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I feel like yeah, you know, what you're well, you're talking about hits on a lot of different levels. Like there can be a lot of reasons why back then that beer didn't scale right for one type of package versus another. Um technology, process, yeah. things have changed over the years. Different products that are being used are yeah. more stable uh in package these days. I feel like, uh, and kind of coming back to the retail account side, you're seeing more refrigeration, more, a little bit more education on how to handle product um, and how quickly to move through it. Yep. So from a, you know, kind of looking at it from the consumer lens, I think that leads to more consistency over time. I don't know what it is about me that sometimes I'm just like, maybe I'm too picky and I'm just like... Uh, you know we like what we like right yeah (laughs) or like i just i'm like this beer i don't know how it was stored but it's 
three I've stored it cold this entire time. Maybe it's three months old now, or I had it when it was two weeks and now it's three months. And I am, I'm kind of picky. I'm like, I'm really bad about that. And I try not to like hone in on perceived off flavors, um, or like, like degrading over time, any type of, you know, as we know, like hops can be somewhat unstable. So, yeah, I just it's a, it's something I always got to remind myself that I'm just like just look at it. Don't like zero in on these little things. Like zoom out and look at it from like the macro point of view cuz otherwise I found myself that I like don't enjoy it as much if I'm like really analyzing a beer too much. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh there are so many there have been a few times when I've had beers that have been so like highly recommended highly recommended and there's all this hype around this beer and then you eventually get to try it and you're like Oh, this kind of like didn't uh, reach the, <laughs> you know, what everybody was saying here. Yeah. Like, is something wrong with me? Uh, something wrong with this? Or, you know, <laughs> we all have our own like kind of tastes, but, uh, you know, it's always important, you know, being in retail and being like on the production side and fresh beer is the best beer, right? Like, um, everybody loves a day old canned IPA uh, or lager, you know? So, uh, you know, if you could extend that to, you know, retail, um, you know, it's a little bit harder, but I definitely um, have trained all of my staff to, you know, we're actually not accepting beers that are older than two months. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to IPAs and lagers, you know, that freshness is key with those beers. Right. Um, you know, beers like brown ales and porters and stuff like that, you know, it's you're not going to pick up any, like, huge uh, off flavors or anything like that if it's over two months or anything right. like that. Um, so, yeah, that's something that I've been really trying to be gung-ho about because, you know, just like people in the grocery store checking dates on eggs and milk, um, I see people in our store, like, checking date cans on cans and mm-hmm. Uh, bottles and stuff like that, that it's, you know, something that a lot of people are paying attention to. Yeah, totally. Uh, the the Friday flights mm-hmm. um, is always something that I look forward to seeing from you guys. Like, what have they put together this week? And it's it's always cool because like, it comes back to what I was saying. Sometimes it's like like super traditional and sometimes it's a little off the wall. Sometimes it's a more like established old school brewer that's being featured or, or multiple brewers. And then sometimes you're throwing in some new guys, some local stuff. It's kind of all over the place in like the best way possible and like the most complimentary way. Yeah. Um, so tell me about that program. Like how much fun are you having with that? It is fun. Uh, you know, I think it's a really unique experience that I don't think many places really offer um, a f- flight that we do because you know most flights that you have you're just getting draft beer yeah um it's not too often that you can go to a liquor store and have like a curated flight of things that they offer in package mm-hmm. uh bottles or cans and you can actually have your own uh experience with that without having a commitment of you know taking home a four pack or a six pack of something that you might not have wholly enjoyed right um so I think that's really awesome. And for me, like building those Friday flights, um, you know, I love, um, you know, I love being inside the box, you know, and just doing, you know, styles or breweries and stuff like that. And then I also love jumping outside of the box and, you know, doing something weird and, you know, throwing in a uh, wild card that, 
somebody might not have tried on their own, but in this flight, they tried it and, you know, had an experience. Yeah. So uh, this week I'm doing wheat beers uh, since we're getting ready for summer. You know, wheat beers are, you know, the atypical summer beer. Uh, so I'm doing uh, some really cool uh, wheat beers, uh, a Hefeweizen, uh, Berliner Weiss, um, that are really cool beers. And I don't usually gravitate towards wheat beers, but there are some really awesome wheat beers and mm-hmm. a really great Hefeweizens out there that, like the Two Coast Hefeweizen that I put in the flight this week, like really like gobsmacked me when I had it. I was like, really? wow, this is like, you know, I haven't had this good of a Hefeweizen that's not a German Hefeweizen in quite some time. So, you know, kudos to Two Coast for making such a cool beer. But uh, yeah, it's things like that, that, you know, even I get enlightened, you know, and, uh, you know, get to revisit something that, you know, kind of was on the back burner for a while or something that I, you know, kind of fell off from enjoying, but now I found a new appreciation for it. Yeah. I feel like that would be like my favorite part of the job. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned Costa Mesa. Yeah. Um, so I was just talking to the team, you know, where you guys are located. It's in the camp. Yes. It's called. Yes. So tell me about that location a little bit. Yeah. Um, the camp is a really cool, like outdoor, um, mall. Um, you know, cool, like vines, like, uh, cool kind of layout that they have going on, like lots of like natural rock and, you know, green uh, ivy and grass and stuff. I haven't actually been over there in quite some time since uh, some listeners may remember a, a spot called Taco Asylum mm. uh, that used to be there I've once upon a time. Place. Yeah, that used to be there once upon a time. So that's how I really remember it. But there's a, you know, it's a really cool, um, funky um approachable but kind of classy little outdoor mall uh and great location uh we're going to be right next to some really cool breweries over there like green cheek and gun whale um that i'm really excited to uh you know be neighbors with yeah Yeah. i was i was thinking back like the last time i was there barley forge existed oh wow yeah so it's i remember been that a while too. it's been a while yeah it's been a few years yeah so that's exciting that's a really cool spot uh to be in i'd I'm looking forward to that location opening up. By the time this comes out, uh, it may be already open. But you know, whenever you're listening to this, I think that we're we're looking at probably Costa Mesa opening up in the month of June or July. Right? Yeah, definitely. It sounds like um, either beginning to middle of June. Um, you know, fingers crossed. To you know, after that, uh, you know, depending on how things happen. But right. we're working on it. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. So. Um, new location, further south, still Southern California. Does anything change from what you're doing? Is it just like keep doing more of the same, or is it like, hey, we're this is a, I mean, it's in a shopping district. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know both the other locations. There's retail around there, yep. So it's not like completely different, but there's a difference, right? Like, is that something you need to take into account, or are you just like, we're gonna do what we do and we're gonna do it well? Yeah. Um. Literally, my plans are to go in and do what I do, but, you know, I have to be receptive as well. And I have to, you know, kind of see, you know, what that community is looking for. Yeah. Um, 
You know, we're going to be very close to Windsor uh, Homebrew Supply, and they also have uh, an excellent uh, beer program, too. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to step on their their toes. Um, You know, I want to find ways for us to complement each other's beer programs. Mm -hmm. So... I'm really curious to see what uh, what Costa Mesa fans or uh, the community there are going to be interested in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, you know, thinking about the three different locations or two up soon to be three, what's do you sense like a little bit of a difference between them at all? Like what's the difference in vibe or. I don't know. How are they different at all? Yeah. Um, since being on the team with Hilo and, um, you know, getting to know uh, the customers in, Col- in Culver, uh, Long Beach, and soon to be Costa Mesa, um, it's it's been interesting. And, you know, I mean, I've uh, been just trying to do what I do, but I'm also, you know receptive you know to see you know what they're looking for but the you know everybody in culver has been really nice i've noticed a lot of people are going in there and looking for like loggers and ipas everybody's always looking for highland park uh in culver city uh long beach a lot of people are cruising in and i've noticed i've been moving a lot of seltzers there maybe it's because it's so close to the beach (laughs) but uh yeah i've been moving a lot of seltzers there a lot of loggers um some you know pale ales and ipas there as well um so i'm curious to see what the landscape of costa mesa will kind of play in with uh the customers yeah, yeah is so. are the differences enough to be like we need to curate things very specifically for each store or is it just like minor variants I, I would say it's just minor tweaks you yeah. know just uh yeah just minor tweaks really yeah. just trying to see you know what what's moving and what people are into. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, man. Somewhat easy for you. Yeah. Right. right? You're not reinventing (laughs) the wheel every time. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I always think about whenever I'm talking to a beer buyer is discovery. Mm. So I feel like it's so easy to like lean on those relationships that you've, that you've created from distributors direct to, to producers. Um, how are you finding new under the radar? What's your method for digging in? And let's kind of look at that from a local standpoint. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being in a beer buyer role, a lot of people come to you. Yeah. Um, which is cool, but also, you know, I, I had um, a brewery um, give me some samples and I tried their beers, and it was honestly it it wasn't it wasn't for me. And uh-huh. I also translated that as like, would a customer like this? And right. it it didn't uh, check any of those boxes. And I you know was just like you know this this isn't the fit right now for us, but you know maybe down the line you know you guys could come back to us and we could kind of see what goes on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's that kind of discovery or there's just finding out about, uh, you know, um, I found out about tall girl brewing recently and the female brewer came in and dropped off a a sample at long beach. And I, that was something that was completely left field and that I didn't know about at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 
I think I could be wrong about this, but I think uh, she's contract brewing out of Boomtown or something like that. Mm. But uh, again, like that's something that I did not know about at all. Yeah. So um, there's also that. And then, you know, there's just keeping up with social media and seeing if, you know, there's a cool collaboration that's happening with mm-hmm. a brewery that I didn't know about and I could pursue, see what that brewery's doing. Yeah. Is there any merit to like, is you, you said, you mentioned as a buyer, reps and, and salespeople, they come, or brewers themselves sometimes, they come to you. Mm. And like, let's dig into that for a second. Cause yeah. I feel like that's like an underrated piece of the job description yeah that a lot of consumers don't realize and i've sat there you know at 2 p.m um just looking at the lineup of reps coming in and waiting yep and having to not only like take time to interact and to you know give them the respect and attention that they deserve obviously but also filter through and make sure that you're you know i feel like just like with any job where you're getting a barrage of new things coming in you have to figure out how do you spend some time but not too much time on trying sampling yeah uh, that like how do you how do you think about that it's it, it can be overwhelming and my you know, first few weeks on the job, I was blown up with samples, yeah. uh, which is a, which was a good and a bad thing. Um, right, everyone hears as a new buyer, so yeah. Hit high low again, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're like, we love to be on your shelves. You know, we'd love for you to carry us. Um, and you know, we I we don't have that shelf space. You know, yeah. I would love to support everybody, and you know you know, um, help everybody's dream of, uh, you know, running and owning a brewery, but, you know, with over 9,000 breweries in the United States now and, uh, distribution expanding for breweries and, you know, more bigger breweries that are putting out like, you know, different beers. Like it's, it's a lot to keep tabs on. Um, and especially when you have breweries that you already carry that are producing, you know, up to three new beers a week, yeah. uh, you know, they're still producing things. So it can be a lot for sure. Um, so for me, like muddling through it, I'm, you know, I was kind of going back to, you know, when I pick up breweries, but <clears throat> you know, I want to make sure that the liquid is good, that, you know, the, you know, whoever is their brewer is like established, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether they didn't just hire some home brewer to come in and start brewing their beers or anything like that. Yeah. You know, you got to think about, you know, how long somebody has been in that role and brewing um, what kind of beers are they into? Like, what does the brewer like to make, you know, Um, any salespeople can go inside of a brewery and be like, this is what's selling out there. Can you make this, triple hazy milkshake IPA for us. And this brewer is like, I've never made that before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's, you know, there's things like that. And then there's just like, you know, minute things that, you know, just figuring out the uh, ingredients, like what, what's the hop bill of this beer? Like, what are, what's the description of this beer? Is it going to be fruity or sweets or, you know, those are the kinds of things too that I really look into. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I want to make first an informed decision for myself, but then also when I'm informing customers, you know, that I could pass on 
that information too. I would love to try every single beer that we have like on the shelves, but and every single new beer that comes out, but unfortunately that's not entirely feasible. Right. So I have to rely on um my own beer knowledge and my own um brewing knowledge when it comes to ingredients and techniques mm-hmm. to kind of piece things together and you know hopefully quantify that it's going to be a good beer. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh I don't know how I, I feel like I don't know how you would I feel like you have to have such a uh, rigidity to your schedule where you're like, this is my allotted time to speak to, you know, to reps and to talk about new beers. And then this is my small amount of time that I actually have available and also liver function yeah. to <laughs> taste through these beers in a way that is going to give me an idea of what this beer actually is, because as someone that tastes beer uh, frequently, you know, one sip of it doesn't really give you the full story. You sometimes Mm -hmm. have to sit with it for four to six ounces um, to like really understand where it's coming from. Definitely. So I I just, I'm like my, my hat goes off to you and all the buyers out there that uh, have to, go through that and there's like multiple ways to deal with that like i've seen some buyers like the nicest people but just like, yeah. be total dicks to reps because you have to because they're so their job is to be persistent yeah and your job is to put up a wall at, at a certain point definitely um and so i feel like building a relationship through that friction uh can be challenging uh how do you work through that? Like, are you the nice guy? It, are you like, what do you, what's your, cause you seem like a nice guy. So. I, I'm a, I'm a pretty nice person <laughs> that uh, I think anybody could really tell you once they get to know me. And it's really hard for me to be uh stern and, you know, putting my foot down, but it's something that I have to do because, yeah. you know, ultimately it's, you know, not just, you know, me that they're trying to impress. Like, you know, it could put a bad taste literally and, uh, you know, for real, like in a customer's mouth. Yeah. Um, and then that could translate to not just the brewery, but it can translate to Hilo, you know? Yeah. Um, so absolutely, it's definitely, you know, I've, I've been the bad guy. It's never fun. Um, just like when, you know, I've had to cut people off at a bar, you know, you, you know, it's never easy. It's never fun, but it's something that you have to do. Um, you it's know. a good analogy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say it's, it's a little bit hard, but I was like, that actually worked out. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about it like that. That's yeah, funny. yeah. So, um, oh, some more of this. If you don't yeah, mind. absolutely. Help yourself. Um, yeah, I was going to say if there's any left, I'll take some. Um, yeah. So, it's not fun to be the bad guy, but uh, I have to do it. Um, yeah, and. You know, sometimes some people are so consistent that um, I don't mean to, but sometimes they just get ignored. Right. Um, and then, you know, they'll get the picture that, w- that way at some point. But there are some very, very consistent salespeople. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, so, the, good ones, the, the good ones know how to push through. They understand. Yes. And they know how to finesse around all those roadblocks. Yeah. Um, it's just there's a lot of newer reps out there that's tends to be somewhat of an, a, a entry level in point to a brewery sometimes that um, sheer force 
can uh, actually work against you, yeah, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, you could have like an onslaught of uh, different uh, brewery reps that, you know, I've dealt with a couple of different brewery reps or, you know, brewery reps are also sometimes a revolving door of uh, people um, that, yeah, it's, you know, they can just be fans of the brewery or they can be very tactful salespeople right. and they, uh, you know, know how to sell. So it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like as we're talking through this, I'm like, there could probably be a podcast just on the like beer buying, beer sales, like that whole dance that has to happen. Because yeah. if there isn't one, there probably should be. Yeah, I, I'd listen to it. Actually. Yeah, I was gonna say that would be it, it helped me out probably. <laughs> um, so, so the last piece of discovery that I wanted to touch on, and I think this is a great question for you, being someone that has lived outside of. Los Angeles has come back in uh, beer travel. And yeah. I follow you on Instagram for the past year or so. I've seen little trips here and there that you've taken. How do, how do you fit beer into travel? How do you think about um, designing trips around beer or designing beer visits around other trips that yeah. might be more personal? Yeah, no, I'm... Um- Honestly, like half of the fun of traveling for me is like finding a new brewery. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to, I have a trip planned to go up to uh, the Bozeman, Montana area uh, mm. just after the 4th of July. And, you know, I get to do like uh, brewery research. So it's yeah. like fun. So I like picked out a few breweries that I want to check out and, you know, we'll see if I get to all of them, but. Yeah, it's literally just uh, whenever I'm in a new area, uh, I'd love to check out a brewery, really. Yeah. Um, so. How much of that going in, like when you're walking into this new brewery and you're looking at the beer board, how much of it is I'm just here to because I love going to breweries and like craft beer and how much of it is some of this is insight for me, whether I'm going to be able to carry this brand or not, um, but just context to Mm -hmm. what's happening in different parts of the country what does that breakdown look like for you are you able to shut off and be completely just like enjoy the moment or are you constantly like in the back of your head still logging things away um i guess you could say like there's a little bit of the uh logging things away like in the back of the head like i'm always thinking about like if i'm at a new brewery like you know is it possible to bring this beer in or um you know are there other beers better than this one or um you know what is this brewery like known for so um yeah i mean when i'm go to a new brewery uh you know also studying uh like a beer menu is uh something i really enjoy yeah um when i was out in michigan uh i went to holmes brewery in ann arbor and they had some really cool wild beers on tap that I had a like winter sour from them that was very interesting, unique, uh, fruited, but also had some like interesting spice components. Um, that you know was was mind blowing for sure. So, um, I was like, man, I would love to get this beer in, but it's probably not possible, you know, right. like, uh, <laughs> so, uh, how you know, do you how do you uh, do your research? Like, how do you find the breweries themselves? Because I've I don't travel that much, but I've done a little bit of that research. And um, you know, for what we're building at Hopped, 
you know, beer tourism here in Southern California is a major piece of what we're thinking about. How do we help people understand the geography For of sure. Southern California and point them in directions of like not only where to go, but how can they travel around when they get to that area? So from a research standpoint, do you have any go-to tips for someone that might be planning a trip? Yeah. Um. So honestly, I don't like Yelp personally, but mm. I do use it just to find out what breweries are, you know, around. Um, if there's any Sometimes if there isn't like a good brewery, then, you know, is there a good beer bar in the area? Is there a good pub that serves local craft beers? Um, Do they serve beers that, you know, don't come, uh, you know, around regularly? Like Mm -hmm. maybe they're just for that pub or beer bar. So there's things like that that I look up. I always like to look up, you know, if there's any um, brew pubs, um, not just breweries, but if there's like a brew pub that's also serving food yeah, and working uh, meals into the, yeah, I got to work in some meals while you're, you know, yeah. drinking beers. Um, so finding out breweries or gastro pubs, brew pubs, uh, bottle shops, beer bars, um, pubs, uh, literally just kind of, you know, creating a list of, you know, places that you want to check out and then just going to websites, um, checking out like untapped and seeing, you know, what beers they have and what people are saying, or if any of your friends have had them. Yeah. Um, that's definitely, uh, how I kind of approach it. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, uh, the research and that I asked this selfishly because it's what I constantly Beer am thinking about. Yeah. Because we're trying to design an an experience that facilitates that discovery, um, not just for locals, but for non-locals coming in. So yeah. I'm constantly just like, how are people doing their beer research out of town? Um, I, I feel like Reddit is a is a great resource. Yeah. But if you like so most major beer cities have like a beer subreddit. Mm-hmm. Um but if you go to it, you have to like scroll through all the posts and, yep. you know, kind of, but if you go to Google and you search Reddit and then like, you know, yeah. San Francisco beer or whatever, um, you'll start finding some of the popular posts kind of come to the top a little bit. And so that tends to be like one of the methods I use and, you know, I'm taking that experience and like, how do we build that into what we're providing at hopped. Yeah, definitely. Know? Another one that I uh, like to check out too from time to time is hop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they do some pretty cool write-ups when it comes to uh beer regions. Um and they know, have most beer locales. cities covered. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed that. Yeah. yeah. You can usually figure out the top five in a city just by getting to their to those articles. Yeah. And then just like build your research on from there. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of like Move into the wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, as someone that drinks beer, craft beer a lot, I immerse myself in the news and what's going on in the industry. What keeps you excited about craft beer? Great question. Um, honestly, it's, you know, seeing the interesting inventions that brewers, that brewers are coming up with almost on a weekly basis. Um, different hop combos, different brewing techniques, different barrels. Um, and just what a, what a brewery is excited about putting out in the world. Like 
you know, the resurgence of cold IPAs was like, oh, I missed IPLs. Like, this is a great uh, style that I would love to welcome back. Um, so it's, you know, checking out social media, being on top of that. And, um, you know, I had a green sour from Great Notion in the other day, too, which was really cool. Interesting. <laughs> and yeah, uh, so it's it's just those kinds of things like finding what's new and interesting yeah. finding out if um you know i've been seeing um brewers brewing like english pub beers recently is that going to be a thing i don't know but hmm. i would love for it to be um so right the malt head right That's yeah where you started your journey yeah literally i started uh yeah with with malty beers and i still love um as much as i love hoppy beers <clears throat> we're drinking a stout right now but i also like scotch ales are one of my favorite ah, um okay. malt centric uh robust uh cool flavor um cool flavored beers so yeah. um but back to you know what's going on in the beer world you know, there's so much that can happen. And then there's just breweries that are just quietly like putting out things that are good. And then, you know, you hear about people still waiting in line for beers at breweries. Uh, So it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy of uh, what's going on in the beer world. And it's just figuring out what's interesting, what's cool. What should I, what should be on my radar? Yeah. Well, Given that, I feel like this is like the most common beer podcast question about trends. Like, what do you think is the next thing? Um, and it's easy to kind of think, point to something completely outrageous and be like, that's going to be it. Or kind of the easy, there's a lot of easy answers out there. What's realistic, though? You know, like, yeah. what are you seeing today that you feel is influencing your buying decisions? Yeah. Um, I've, you know, it's been really interesting to see, and I think a lot of people have probably seen this, so this might be fall under the easy answer category, but a return to traditional beers, mm-hmm. um, a return to core, um, you know, everyday beers. I read an interesting thing that during the pandemic, uh, instead of people trying a brewery's new beers that they were actually returning to core year round beers. And like people were, weren't just looking for something new anymore. They were looking for something comforting that, you know, probably reminded them of that brewery's love experience. Um, yeah. So that's been really interesting to see. Um, and you know, again, with like return to traditional core beers, um, if I would like, I had no idea, like being a beer buyer, that I'd be buying this much non-alcoholic beer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, non-alcoholic sector is growing. And it's definitely something that, you know, even if you're a beer uh, hophead, you know, having a couple non-alcoholic beers while you're, you know, out drinking with people is like a good way to, you know, keep a clear head while still enjoying a beer. Mm-hmm. Um and then also there's the health conscious aspect of it too, yeah. that, um, you know, you have people that are out doing things and they don't want to, you know, get, you know, buzzed or drunk or anything. So it's, it's really interesting to see how much non-alcoholic beer is growing. And yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm a little selfish that I love seeing West Coast IPAs becoming really dominant in the IPA category. Um, you know. 
hazy IPAs. They're they're cool and they're interesting beers, but you know, there's something that captures a you know beer fans like an old school West Coast IPA. Uh, and I think that definitely speaks to beer drinkers' return to those kinds of beers. Um, you know, there's the uh, you know people that are looking for. Um, pastry batter, you know, or cookie dough right. uh, kind of <laughs> beers. And then there are people that are looking for, you know, Twizzlers and Pixie Stick beers uh-huh. and, you know, like no, nothing wrong with any of those beers. Um, but, you know, the, it's not beer beer, you know, yeah. it's, um, you know, it's somebody that, you know, has, you know, a different palate than, you know, main beer drinkers. So, you know, I think those breweries that are making those beers are going to continue making, um, you know, smoothie beers and, you know, pastries and, you know, what have you. But it's really cool to see, you know, the return to clear, traditional beer beer. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think most people that work in the industry are have been singing that for a while, like, because that's what they drink. Yeah. That's what I like to drink. Um, but I think we're, we're actually starting to see that happen on the consumer side this year. Um, maybe like end of last year into this year. Um, I don't know if there's a pandemic, uh, influence on that. Um, I feel like drinking a big pastry beer at home by yourself is one thing, but going to a bar, a pub, a tap room and drinking lager or drinking west coast ipa and drinking three of them that there's like a different experience there so i feel like that that might be something that's influencing that and i was just talking about the core beer thing um i think last week i am i'm moving in that direction i and i constantly have to look at what's new just like you do yeah and your attention is always on what's new and it's like hey there's a lot of really cool core stuff going on and you know, when I find when I look at my own drinking habits, I'm like, oh, man, I've been drinking a lot more core beers that I know are good, that I know fit the mindset of what I'm trying to have in, in that particular experience, because I can control that. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus like, oh, I'm going to have this new IPA and like, I have no idea what to expect here. It's probably going to be like really tropical and fruity. And I tend to not like those beers as much these days. So, um, so yeah, I think I, I personally am feeling that. I don't know, um, where the consumer side is, but you know, if we're right on the beer flavored beer aspect. Like, yeah. We're on the cusp I, of it. I think it's, yeah. it, it might be moving that direction. Another one of the things that I, I've been talking about recently is uh 12 ounce cans yeah i'm i'm personally moving back to 12 ounce cans that that size that format um drinking straight from the can like those are things that are that i'm doing a lot these days yeah i don't know if that's gonna translate itself back to the mainstream brewery side but that's a lot of what i'm thinking about yeah no and uh yeah it's it's so interesting to see, you know, the the can formats that uh, breweries have been using. Um, I mean, we're, you know, pretty far away from the days of bombers, you know, yeah. like uh, yeah. nobody's really doing bombers anymore. And now like 16 ounce cans have uh, swung in and, and pretty much ruled. Um, and I've been seeing, you know, like a lot of core beers in 12 ounce six packs. And that's great. 
Uh, you know, personally, I love how like Pizza Port does 16 ounce uh, six packs. Yeah. And uh, I think that's really awesome. Like, shout out to Pizza Port and Swami's is like probably one of my desert island beers that I could, you know, drink all the time. For so, sure. <laughs> uh, and that's a, you know, a core beer that, you know, I could always drink. Affordable, uh, yeah. fresh, all the Affordable, time. fresh, yeah. um, you know, it's such a lovely beer that is that something you try and keep on in the shelves? You know, it's funny. I've, uh, I brought it in and it didn't quite move as, uh, I expected it to, but it's also probably because, you know, you could get that beer in like most grocery stores, you could get it all over the place. Um, so, you know, as much as I love to carry it, it's probably more of like a selfish carry. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it's more that like I could just grab that beer too when I'm done. But yeah, you um, only have so many of those. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, you know, really cool, you know, when people are, you know, looking for like those West Coast beers and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's really cool to see that. Yeah, I'm excited about just craft beer in general, just continuing to move forward, come out of this pandemic and seeing uh, new places opening up and, you know, new new trends in drinking and seeing what ends up happening. Beer events have, have always been beer festivals, such a huge component to the experience that um, I feel like the lack of them over the past couple of years, it did something for me. Like it kind of deteriorated the experience for me. So as I've, you know, started going, I went to Loggerville last month and, uh, have started going, I'm going to Firestone Walker pretty soon. Nice. Look at you. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to, um, experiencing that again and like reinvigorating the love for the experience because I feel like it's just as much about the liquid as it is the experience sometimes, especially when you have, when you're doing it a lot over and over, I feel like the experience, like, you know, kind of wins out sometimes. So I'm excited to, to see where everything goes. Yeah. And I mean, you know, again, like, you know, the experience and like, you know, beer people, you know, yeah. like there's, you know, so much fun, you know, when you go to a brewery tap room and there's somebody that's like genuinely excited about like serving you a beer right. and like getting ready to tell you all about it. Like, um, you know, just various beer friends from, you know, across the country, you know, joining together over a beer. It's beautiful. And I, yeah. I definitely love, um, love seeing it. Uh, very jealous that you're going to Firestone Invitational. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It'll Hell be yeah. Fun. yeah. Cool, man. So, uh, wrapping this up, I know you and the Hilo team are heads down on getting Costa Mesa opened up. Um, but, uh, is there, what, what are you excited about or what can people be excited about? Uh, from what you have coming up this year, is there anything that you can speak to? Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, since coming into this role, I've had a lot of plans and a lot of ideas that I'm looking to implement. Um, you know, one of them is I want to do a high-low collab beer. Um, some other things is I would love to do some, you know, some tap takeovers coming up. Uh-huh. Miss those days of, yeah. you know, going and having a fun tap takeover event um and really just generally expanding the beer program to you know east coast breweries uh you know to midwest breweries um you know just bringing in some really cool beers that could get people excited um and you know while doing that just having fun uh 
you know, enlightening people about what beers we carry or what beers are coming out on shelves and, you know, just getting ready to embrace the madness of Costa Mesa yeah. and uh, <laughs> meeting uh, the people there. But I'm really hoping to do some fun events um, out there too. So uh, nothing quite in the books just yet, but there's uh, definitely some plans that I've been tinkering around with to uh, uh, get going. Awesome. So where can people follow along with all this amazing stuff that you're doing? Yeah. So uh, the social media channels to best find out is Instagram. I run the Hilo beer channel. Um, you could also follow Hilo liquor while you're at it. Um, and that's mainly everything for the store. Um, that's where I keep everything, you know, up to date. Um, I also, uh, if you have untapped, uh, you can follow us as a venue and see what new beers, uh, we have on the shelves that way or what's on tap. Nice. Um, our website too. You can also buy beers online and you can pick up in store or uh, have DoorDash delivery. Nice. Um, working on a beer shipping program too, some point this year. So Sweet. TBA about that. And just keep drinking good beer. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll, I'll throw out my personal favorite. Uh, I like the newsletter. Good. Every, uh, I think every Friday. Yeah, send out like the new stuff going on. So, um, hilolicker.com, right? Yes, hilolicker.com. You could sign up for our newsletter there too. And that's where uh, every week um, myself and our wine and spirits buyer and our market buyer, we give our kind of like fresh picks of what we're into and uh, what you guys should check out. Yeah. So, if you're following Hopped, you appreciate the art of beer writing and coverage that 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 newsletter is where chase gets to go back to the roots and write a little bit about beer uh super fun stuff chase thanks so much for joining me man it was awesome getting to know your story thanks gary it was so much fun dude all right cheers cheers brother and that does it for this episode of hop talk Thanks to Chase and to Hilo for coming on the pod and chatting all things beer. I am super stoked for everything they have coming up, and I encourage all of you to hit up one of Hilo's shops in Culver City, Long Beach, or coming soon in Costa Mesa. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a suggestion for a future guest? Hit us up at HopDLA or email hello at hop.com. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for our free email newsletter at hopped.com slash subscribe, where we send you five things we're excited about in craft beer every single Friday. We'll see you guys next time. Cheers.